You're listening to a sermon preached at First Baptist Church in Farwell, Texas. We are committed to loving God, loving people, and going into the world to share the gospel. We pray you find this message both challenging and encouraging. Well, uh, good morning, First Baptist Church of Farwell, Texas. Take a Bible and turn with me to Psalm 142. Psalm 142. My wife Vanessa and I uh, have enjoyed the friendship of Pastor Russ and Kim for several years now, and uh, we have been praying daily, as I know you have, for their quick and complete recovery from this virus. I hope you know this, but you are a blessed church to call this man your pastor. And every time I talk to him, he just wants to tell me about how blessed he is to call you his church family. So I know that you have a very special relationship with Pastor Russ and Kim and that you enjoy it. So when he and his precious bride are shut up and quarantined with the plague, uh, I know that your hearts hurt for him and hurt for her as well, and that you're taking good care of them, you're ministering to them, you're surrounding them and comforting them and encouraging them in every way possible. So thank you for the way that you minister to and love on your pastor and his wife through this. I'd like to bring you a message today entitled Cave Song. Cave song, when God is all you've got. Just three very simple, but you'll find very timely truths from God's word from Psalm 142 that have everything to do with how you, both as an individual and as a collective church body, how you navigate this season of cultural crisis. So you found Psalm 142. Join with me now as we turn our attention to God's word, Psalm 142, beginning verse 1. I cry aloud to the Lord. I plead aloud to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. I reveal my trouble to him. Although my spirit is weak within me, you know my way. Along this path I travel, they've hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see, no one stands up for me. There's no refuge for me. No one cares about me. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my shelter, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am very weak. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Free me from prison so that I can praise your name. The righteous will gather around me because you deal generously with me. Pray with me. Lord, we ask that you would bless Uh, the reading and the teaching of your word in this moment. God, we've gathered wherever we are. We've gathered not to hear a word from Tony Wolf right now. We've gathered to hear from you. So Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us through the text of scripture, that you would show us what this means and how to apply it to our lives today in such a way that we might live worthy of our calling in Christ and that you might encourage us as sojourners passing through a foreign land on our way to our home in heaven. God, show us today, how to live this word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Psalm 142. I've got to say uh, that with all the craziness that God has given me the privilege of living through in my life thus far, this is by far the craziest social season. It's just nuts. And it seems like every day uh, it just gets more and more crazy. Now I can normally control my emotions pretty well, uh, I would say. But about two months into this, you know, the whole world shutting down thing, about two months into it, I had a bit of a moment. 
Have you had a moment over the past four months or so, uh, just one of those moments where you just about lost it? I, I had one of those. We were playing a game at the kitchen table, my wife, Vanessa, and our two sons, Ethan and Aaron, and everything was fine. It was great. And then all of a sudden, my youngest son started pushing my buttons. You know how they do, because that's like, that's God's gift to 13-year-old boys. Just that's their love language. It's annoyance. And he just started pushing all of my buttons and aggravating my nerves on purpose. And that's his way of saying, I love you, Dad, and I care about you. And so out of nowhere, I have uh, this total nervous breakdown. I mean, like I I couldn't tell if I was laughing or crying or convulsing or having a heart attack or all the above. I, I didn't know. And, and I was totally blindsided by it. And here's what I found out. When my world kind of got turned on its head, I didn't have as much control over my emotions as I thought I did. And this is one of the things I love about the Psalms in God's Word. As you read through them, you come across some of the most beautifully worded divinely inspired emotional breakdowns in all of Scripture. And I think that's what we're looking at in Psalm 142. David is in a cave. He is hiding from Saul, who is literally hunting him down so that he can kill him. And God gives David a nervous breakdown and says, hey, put this to music and write it down because some people in Farwell, Texas, 3,000 years from now are really going to need to hear what you have to say in this song. And so the first timeless biblical truth that comes to us from Psalm 142 in this text today is that it is okay to be honest with God. It's okay to be honest with God. In verses 1 and 2, just look back with me at the action words themselves, the action words. He says, I cry to God. I plead to God. He says, I pour out to God. I reveal to God. And maybe that's what some of us need in uh, this season of our lives is just for God to take us to a place like he did David, to lead us into maybe a cold, dark cave where we can just be open and honest with God. Cry out for help. Plead for mercy. Pour out your complaint. Reveal to him your fear and anxieties because he knows them anyway. Listen to this. The Christian faith is not and has never been about your ability to handle everything that comes your way. Walking with God is not about how strong you are. Walking with God is not about how smart you are or about how successful you are. Walking with God is not about how emotionally put together you are. None of this right now is about who you are. This is about who God is. So in seasons of crisis, how you interact with God will expose what you really believe about who God is. Can I say that again? Because I want you to catch it. In seasons of crisis, how you interact with God will expose what you really believe about who God is. Let me just tell you this morning, God is not some kind of dictatorial ruler in the sky telling you to check all the right boxes so that you can navigate your own way out of this cave. God is not some heavy-handed 
authoritarian hovering over you to remind you exactly how much you actually deserve to stay in this cave. God's not some kind of celestial psychopath taking pleasure in your cold, dark condition inside this cave. Man, God is an Abba Father, always only one prayer away, ready for you to call out to him so that he can rescue you out of this cave. So cry aloud to the Lord. Plead aloud for mercy. Pour out your complaint before him. Reveal your trouble to God. Because sometimes God takes us to the darkest of caves because he knows that's what it's going to take for us just to come clean and cry out to him. So I guess the question really is for you and me in this season, how deep does God need to take you into this cave before you start just being honest with him and cry out to him? It's okay to be honest with God. Now, a second very timely truth from this psalm today is that in seasons of crisis, we can socially isolate, but we should never emotionally withdraw. Let me say that again. Maybe you can write it down. We can socially isolate, but we should not emotionally withdraw. Listen to verse 3 again. Verse 3, he says, Although my spirit is weak within me, you know my way. Now, there should be some comfort here for us as it was for David. When my spirit is too weak to see clearly, has your spirit ever been so weak that it just fogs your vision? When my spirit is too weak to see clearly, God knows my way. Listen to this. This is good. He is actively superintending every step. God has been graciously overseeing the activity of his people for thousands of years. You'll recall these words from scripture. Do not be afraid. I will never leave you or forsake you. And so verse 3 reminds us that when crisis blurs our vision, God knows the road ahead and he walks with us every step of the way. When crisis blurs our vision, God knows the road ahead and he walks with us every step of the way. And here's where it kind of starts to get pretty emotionally intense for David. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, look to the right and see. No one stands up for me. There's no refuge for me. No one cares about me. Do you feel his anxiety? You feel his emotional intensity here? David is hiding alone, scared for his life in a cold, dark cave. And in his desperation, he begins, listen to this, he begins speaking in terms of negative absolutes. No one stands up for me. There is no refuge for me. No one cares about me. Have you ever felt like that? maybe even recently. See, if we're not careful, then you and I can build this same trap for ourselves and kind of walk right into it every day of our lives like David has done. When we socially isolate, it's very easy to also emotionally withdraw. And it's right there in our emotional withdrawal that we tend to convince ourselves that we are all alone in the world. And then the negative absolutes start working their way into our cave song. There is no refuge. No one stands up. No one cares. But listen to me. It is extremely rare that a negative absolute is unequivocally true. In fact, toward the end of the psalm, David realizes this himself. He comes to his senses. Look at the end of the psalm in verse 7. The end of the psalm, the last sentence says, The righteous will gather around me because you deal generously with me. Wait a minute, David. 
I thought no one would gather around you because no one cares and no one stands up for you. Now, let's not give David too hard of a time because the great prophet Elijah did the same exact thing. You remember after calling down fire from heaven and slaying 850 false prophets with the sword in 1 Kings chapter 18. In chapter 19, the mighty prophet Elijah got scared for his life and he ran and hid in a cave and prayed that he would die because he thought he was the only prophet left in Israel. And you know how God answered him? No, you're not. God said, there's still 7,000 righteous ones, 7,000 people in Israel who have not bowed the knee to Baal. The point is, if I'm not careful, especially in seasons of crisis, anxiety will feed on social hysteria. And before I know it, I will have convinced myself that I am all alone in my little cave. There's no refuge there. There's no hope there. Because no one stands up for me there and no one cares. Friend, let me tell you, that is a lie from the pits of hell. There are verse 7 righteous ones all around you. Even at First Baptist Church Farwell today, right now, there are righteous ones who want to gather around you. They are eager to do this and to remind you of the truth, to encourage your heart and to bring comfort to your soul. In this season of social isolation, do not emotionally withdraw. One final uh, biblical truth from Psalm 142, and I think you'll find that it's very timely for all of us, not just you in Farwell, Texas, but me also. When God is all you have, you find out that God is all you need. When God is all you have, you find out that God is all you really need. Listen to verses 5 through 7 again. In verse 5, he writes, or he sings, I cry to you, Lord, I say, you are my shelter, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am very weak. Rescue me from those who perceive me, for they are too strong for me. Free me from prison so that I can praise your name. Now, let me walk through these verses with you quickly. In verse 5, David makes two declarative statements about God. Look at it in verse 5. Firstly, he says, you are my shelter. You're my shelter. Now, when you live in West Texas, uh, you usually know where the nearest storm shelter is, don't you? You've got to know right where that nearest shelter is so that when the tornado comes, when the storm comes, you can get to your safe place as quickly as possible. David says, God, you are my safe place. I may be shut up in a cave, but I am sheltered in God alone. And that means regardless the nature of your storm, that means whether your storm right now is very literal or very metaphorical, regardless of the nature of the storm, God himself is the only safe place. So put that in your cave song and sing it. God, you are my shelter. Secondly, the the second declarative statement he makes about God here in this verse is not only God, you are my shelter, but God, you are my portion. You're my portion. I love this. I grew up with four older brothers, and, uh, and that means I'm the last, the, the baby of five sons, which means I'm also the most favored one, the most intellectual, the, the most you know, good-looking, and the best son because uh, I'm the baby of five, obviously. But the point is, I grew up with four older bro- uh, brothers, and portion sizes were very important at dinner time. Can't you imagine? Because if you didn't eat fast, you didn't eat enough. 
But when you're hunkered down in a cave and socially withdrawn and, and enveloped in emotional darkness, as David is, and you cry out to God in desperation, when God is all you have, you find out that God is all you need. If God is all you have on your plate, then you have everything you need to live a full life. God, when, when you divvy up all the serving sizes and all the quotas and all the inheritances and all the rations, here's what I'm coming to desire most in this cave. Just give me you. That's always more than enough. God is my portion, he says. No matter where I am, as long as I have God, I have more than enough. Now, here's where it gets real good. David is about to make the pivot here from desperation to freedom. How many of you are ready to make that pivot right now from desperation to freedom? I know as a culture, not just a church culture, but a culture at large, I feel like, man, we are longing for this pivot. Aren't you longing for this? To pivot from desperation to freedom. David is about to make that pivot in our text right now. And, and I don't know about you, but, but I'm all over it. Like I'm totally over the COVID-19 thing. I'm ready for the pivot. But listen to me. If your cave song is absent these two declarations, God is my shelter, God is my portion. If your cave song is absent from those two declarations, then you will not make the pivot from desperation to freedom. Here's the pivot point. You ready? From desperation to freedom. In verses 6 through 7, he makes three distinct requests of God. So in verse 5, he made two declarations about God. And now in verses 6 and 7, he's making three very important requests of God. Listen to them each individually. In verse 6, first of all, listen to my cry. Listen to my cry. Now this should stir your soul right now because no matter how deep you are, in that cave. And no matter how debilitating the darkness is around you, when you call out to God, he listens. When you call out to God, he listens. It should give us hope in every season just to know that the God of the ages is listening to his children when they call out to him. Listen to me. And then in verse 6, he also makes this request of God, rescue me. Rescue me from those who perceive me, for they are too strong for me. Rescue me. This word here, rescue, literally means to snatch away. Snatch me away. God, pluck me out of this mess. Have you been praying that lately over yourself and your family and your church family and your pastor? God, pluck me out of this mess. Tear me away from it all. And then in verse 7, he makes this request. Free me from this prison so that I can praise your name. If you're an underliner in your Bible, underline those words, so that. Free me from this prison so that I can praise your name. Watch this. You're going to love this. The word free me here is the, the Hebrew word yatza. It literally means lead me out. Wait for it. Give me an exodus. Give me an exodus. Did you catch it? When your motivation for deliverance, when your motivation for deliverance is so that I can praise your name, so that God might be praised, then in one simple lyric, your cave song can turn into your exodus song. God, listen to me. God, rescue me. God, give me an exodus so that I can praise your name. <laughs> okay, you're feeling it. You're in the cave right now. I get it. Let me ask you this. What is your motivation for coming out of this cave? What is your motivation 
for coming out of this cave because the pivot point from desperation to freedom is wherever your petition turns to praise. I'm going to say it again because somebody needs to hear this. The pivot point from desperation to freedom is wherever your petition turns to praise. Before I was a pastor, I was a worship leader, 13 years in a few different churches in Louisiana and Texas. And I've always loved old hymns. Do you love old hymns? Now, I don't just like love all old hymns because there's some that are just not doctrinally sound, but particularly I have I have this deep affection for uh, those hymns that have this strong doctrinal backbone. But I was also always on the lookout and listening for that special new song that would kind of give voice to my present condition and call my soul to step out of its present darkness and into the light of God's freedom and God's grace. Some of the most powerful songs in the history of Christian hymnody have been those that give honest expression to the darkest places of our souls and then refocus our attention on the hope that is found in Christ Jesus alone. And this is Psalm 142 in a nutshell. If I had to just kind of sum it all up in one simple sentence, I think I'd leave you with this statement today. Sometimes the best praise songs begin as cave songs. Sometimes the best praise songs begin as cave songs. No matter what uh, you're walking through in life, no matter who you are or what you bring with you to this video that you're watching right now, I can tell you with full assurance that there is a God in heaven who loves you infinitely and who is listening for your cry, ready to turn your cave song into a praise song. Will you call out? To him today. This God created you in his image and after his likeness, and he has a plan and a purpose for your life that is so much bigger and so much better than anything you could ever dream up for yourself, especially while you're huckered down in a cave surrounded by darkness. God loves you so much, but your problem is the same as mine. All of us have sinned against God, and that means we're separated from God. My sinfulness separates me from God's holiness, and God, knowing this, and out of his great love for you and me, he sent Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God in the flesh, to bridge the gap between my sinfulness and God's holiness, between your sinfulness and God's holiness. And the Bible says that this Jesus lived the perfect sinless life that you and I couldn't live. He died a horrible death on the cross of Calvary to pay the price for your sin that you and I could never fully pay. He was buried in a borrowed tomb to take take our sin to the pits of the grave where none of us could fully take it on our own. On the third day, he rose from the dead to seal victory over sin, death, and hell for everyone, everyone, who, everywhere who would believe and call on the name of Jesus. The Bible makes it so simple. If you believe in this Jesus in your heart and you'll call out to him for salvation, he'll forgive you from your sin, wash you clean from all forms of unrighteousness, and he'll make you fit for heaven. There's no other way but Jesus. Have you called on the name of Jesus? Because here's where your desperation pivots to freedom, is when you in all the blackness and the darkness of your soul, hidden in the desperation of a cave, when you turn your attention to the truthfulness of God's love for you and his glory revealed in Christ Jesus, 
and you trust this Jesus Christ to save you from your sin and give you a future home in heaven, you are delivered from desperation and into an eternal home in glory, into the hope of heaven for all of eternity with Jesus Christ. Not because of anything you've done or ever could do, but simply because of who God is and all that he's done for you. Will you trust this Jesus today? Thank you for listening to this sermon. If you'd like more information about our church or have any questions regarding the sermon you just heard, we would love to hear from you. You can visit our website at www.fbcfarwell.org or send an email to info at fbcfarwell.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching FBC Farwell. It is our prayer that the sermon you listened to was equally challenging and edifying to your walk with Christ. Thank you again for listening and have a blessed week.